Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, Sethin! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham and joining me today as always, he's in charge of the F1 schedule. He won the 25 races, but he's been shafted. It's Luke Holmes. Sure, I definitely need more races in my life, Graham. My, my calendar already isn't taken up to the max. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I couldn't even get off a of MotoGP yesterday morning. <laughs> On at seven, at Mategi, I think it's called. In Where Japan. on earth? Oh, it's in Japan, okay. Yes, yes. It was, uh, I, I tried to get up for it. My alarm went off and I was like, nah, can't be arsed. Uh, and then typical, <laughs> it's a good race. You do know there's a Japanese Grand Prix coming up soon, yeah? Yes, I know. But I'll actually make more of an effort, if you know what I mean, where I'm like, I'm, it's MotoGP. I don't mind watching the highlights, but I've been trying to watch it more often the last few weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, how have you been getting on? There's been a distinct, apart from MotoGP there, which I don't, I don't watch, I know others don't as well, there's been a distinct lack of, uh, shall we say, sport in general over the last weekend or two. Been, it's been poor, hasn't it? It's uh, been really, really bad. Like, there's no there's no Premier League on, there's no, like, if you want to watch international matches, I mean, fair play, I mean, not my cup of tea, but... Neither. No F1, no no Formula Regional European presented by Alpine, no IndyCar, no not even Formula not even Formula E, man. Uh, I did watch some endurance racing on the Racers YouTube channel, which was at Spa. I saw that myself. Yeah. So that was I like that. No, didn't didn't uh, didn't hate that. And then I watched the the better than any international football match I've seen in the last while. I watched the Sidemen uh, <laughs> Sidemen uh, charity game on Saturday. It was actually a cracking game, to be fair. So decent one goals, of the man. One, one of the, because the both keepers didn't really have a clue, it made it such a good game. Well, not even that, but like, there, were some legit, there was a few legit good goals. Yeah, yeah. Some very nice ones, actually. Yeah. Where they stood no chance of, of saving them. I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I would get into it more, but I know, like, I'm, I'm sure people don't uh, want to hear our views on... Speed. <laughs> speed, what a guy. Speed or... Uh, what a decent football player Simon Minter is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's quite a few. The Crawley Town were their scouting players. That's... They, they as well, man. Yeah, of all things. I was just like, right, okay. Who the, if you were scouting there, like who like who would you have scouted? Like I would have who was the was it Harry Pinero? The center. It was back? Harry Pinero, yeah. He was good. Noah Beck was decent. Philly was good. Yeah. Um obviously Simon. Yeah. Toby and Chris. They were the main six. Oh, I didn't I think Chris MD had a very good game, man. He didn't have a good, very good game, but he is good normally. Yeah. Uh, I liked yeah. kind of the, I guess, it's the backseat role that um, KSI took this this year. I don't know, man. He, like, given his, I don't know, his uh, stardom would have been easy for him to want a more prevalent role, but he just kind of slid in, didn't he? Yeah, didn't need to make it about him, to be fair. It's for charity, innit? That's it. And look, there are some good causes there as well. So Yeah. Seemed like a, it was a good game, and like again, like that's the best sport I've watched all weekend. It shows you the lack of uh, lack of what's on. It's been the best game I've watched in a while of football. To be fair, I did, I did watch Spurs spank Leicester six two. That was that was fun. Yeah, that was probably a good game. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that aside, yeah, we're in kind of the um, I guess the secondary doldrums. I guess of the F one season, kind of a few things happened this week, but like again, we're kind of not because it's this time of the year. Like a lot of the driver stuff has taken place, and if. There's some still some left. We're waiting for some to be announced. Uh, like the, obviously the main one being the the Alpine and the Alpha. Uh, actually, no longer really Alpha Tari, but we'll see with that. Uh, first thing, so we'll start with that then. Uh, 
during the week, uh, AlphaTauri confirmed that Yuki Tsunoda will stay on until 2023 uh, with Alpha, or at least for the 2023 season with AlphaTauri. So just putting kind of putting speculation to bed then. Uh, he was kind of, it was we were kind of unsure, but kind of leaned towards that he would stay, even though he's kind of, he started the season well and has kind of fallen away a little bit since, kind of looked like rookie Tsunoda at times. Uh, any real surprise to you at all in the fact that we've got Sonoda confirmed for uh, year three at Afatari? No, not really. I think they need some stability, don't you? Yeah, look, we don't. We still don't know what's happening with Gasly. We all we know is that he's still Alpine's top uh, top man. But I guess they need to they need to have. I think yes, yeah, some stability would be strong there in the event that. Sonoda go or sorry if Gasly goes and there's still, we're still not sure about that so just I guess I guess just cover your bases really and just get uh, get Sonoda in for another year and see if he can kick on because I do think he hasn't realized his potential yet in F1 that we saw in his rookie season in F2 I think if he if he I know it was a very general expression but if he figures it out I think there is a strong F1 driver there. And I guess it's worth for Red Bull just to keep him there at AlphaTauri, just to see if he does make the step, then maybe he could be someone that you might consider for a possible Perez replacement if some, if you know, if things don't work out there in, in year three of that relationship. That's the thing, isn't it? The, the, I think Red Bull is starting to realise they need to keep Perez in mind because things have gone very south very quickly mm-hmm. the last few weeks with... Uh, well, last few races, sorry, not last few weeks, with uh, Perez, the gap... So Max in qualifying is getting ever bigger. Perez is constant out position in races and is having to fight his way back through some of that through his own errors and some of that through reliability and stuff. But keeping Yuki, I don't think is the most exciting thing, but it's the most sensible thing. The, like like we've said a few times already this season, none of the F2 boys have really done anything. No, there was a chance. There was a legit chance for all of them to do something and it, it just never materialised. Yeah, this was, if anything was going to happen where Red Bull completely whitewashed AlphaTauri, this was the year to do it. But nobody's shown anything. There's been too many very average showings. Lawson dipped off. Yuri did what Yuri did. He's off to IndyCar now by the looks of it, from what I've seen flowing about on Twitter. Not confirmed, but that's the rumour at the minute. Um, Hauger was never going to be ready, I don't think. He would have had to have been an absolute ace in the pocket for him to have a, a season like Oscar did, really. And I didn't think he was really quite ready yet. Mm-hmm. Anyway, year two might be a different kettle of fish. So, hopefully and, Yuki can sort of kick on a bit. And Iwasa is basically where Sonoda was when... A worse version of what Sonoda was in his opening F2 season as well. Yeah, yeah, but literally it's exactly the same, isn't it? It's both got jumped up unexpectedly and then sort of did better than what everybody expected them to yeah. and then you could just manage to get the super license points and filled in i guess was the was this the correct term there it wasn't if you'd have said at the start of the season at 2020 that snowder was going to be the second half atari driver for 21 you know, i'd have probably said no because i had no idea who he was <laughs> it is a shame that uh what, what do you think if i still would love to know if Red Bull could have done more to keep doing because all of a sudden that's one now that they've uh, Christian Horner went on uh, the Beyond the Grid podcast on F1's YouTube channel with uh, Tom Clarkson I believe it's Tom Clarkson yes it's Tom Clarkson uh, great yeah. really good pop by the way uh, to listen to with Christian Horner always a very uh, always very fascinating to listen to but he's talking about kind of the regret that he had that you can't let Piastri slip through the net because 
uh, we kind of mentioned as well, past Piastri with, with the, uh, the Arden team in F4. And of course, the Arden team was one that Horner actually founded. And they had a, see, he said they had a chance to sign Piastri and they, they didn't. So that was one they let go through the net. And you know you can even just kind of you can kind of understand because look it's very early that's very early in the driver's career but they kind of knew a little bit more about like you know i'm pretty sure doing was still in the red bull junior when he was in f3 and was runner-up in f3 oh. you know they had a, they, they knew they had a decent driver <clears throat> and they let him slip through the cracks and do you think if they had doing available do you think he would be in enough tarry for 2023 because i'm certainly thinking maybe they, he would be after that triple header 100 percent I think they would have waited till after then to see what Yuki could have done and what the situation with Gazi would have been. And he would have been confirmed by now. All he, well, pending on him getting the super license points. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought what they would have had to wait, but internally, I think it would have been decided. Yeah, let's do it. Just, it's, sorry, let's do it. <laughs> um, I, 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 honestly, I think he's shot himself in the foot. Well, he, he again. He's he may have a very unexpected reprieve. In all, in theory, like in and the side of the year, he really had shot himself in the foot. But just with everything that's happened with Piastri and all and Alonso and all of that, he still somehow has a chance to get into an F one seat. I guess it's just it. It really does depend what happens with Gasly. Funnily enough, now it's always funny how all this is connected, isn't it? Yeah, how it all goes back to Gasly moving to Red Bull. This whole scenario. Yeah, it's it's very 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 strange. Because if Gasly goes to Alpine, then that surely allows then De Vries then to go to Avatari, and then depending on Sargent, then depend if he gets a super it's license, depend. then Dewan could be shooting if Sargent doesn't get it. It literally one of the, whoever then finishes higher, I think gets that Williams seat, unless Mick brings in an absolute boatload of money, which he might do. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to say the least. But Sonoda at least confirmed for another year. Uh, if, for whatever reason, it stays as it is and Gasly stays at AlphaTauri, that'll be the third year that we've seen the same driving line at AlphaTauri and the former outfit that was Tor Rosso, which has never happened before. No, it's normally two years and done. At least one change, isn't it? Yeah. So there's a couple of early instances of this, like Vitatonio Liuzzi and Scott Speed were 06 and then Vettel kind of replaced Speed through 07. Uh, we had a year of Bourdais and Vettel and then we had uh, Bourdais, Algesuari and Buemi, which really was the most, the line we saw, I guess, the most, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long Bourdais was there for, but it was Algesuari and Buemi for all of 2010 and 2011 and I assume the rest of 09. Uh, there were two years of Dan, Daniel Ricciardo and John Verne. Verne did another year with Kvyat in 2014. Then that brings us on to the Verstappen-Science combination we saw for just 2015 before that switch with two uh, Science and Kvyat when Verstappen went up. And then Gasly came into the fold in the 17, Hartley then in 18, and then we had uh, the, the Gasly-Albon kind of merry-go-round with in 2019. And then what do we have 2020? Uh, oh, Gasly and Kvyat, and then uh, the one we know now, which is uh, Sonoda and Gasly. So if they... Uh, They'll be up there. They'll be close, I reckon. And maybe even they should be past it if Gasly stays as the most, uh, well, yeah, uh, as the most tenured uh, AlphaTauri slash Tor Rosso teammate lineup, which, again, is unusual because there's a lot of turnover there. So I guess that speaks to a few different things. Yes. Interesting fact for you. Mm -hmm. I was scrolling down my Facebook and I follow... um... Why are you on Facebook? 
why wouldn't I be? <laughs> Got to see who's getting married and who's having kids and stuff. Sure. So I can stalk them. Yeah. Why anyway, not? Yeah. <laughs> tangent. Um, I, I follow, for some reason, me about 10 years ago decided, yeah, let's follow World Rally Championship on, uh, on Facebook. Sure. Uh, Scott Speed is a rally driver now. Did not know that. Well, he did get banned from e uh, uh, e racing or i racing, I think, for intentionally crashing someone out. I believe, <laughs> or there was something. There was some sort of uh, debacle like that where he he deliberately crashed someone out. So he's been he's been, he's been busy. Yeah, Simon Pagano's done something similar to that. Cough, cough, Lando Norris. <laughs> yeah, that that was a whole thing. Yeah, I forgot about that actually. Yeah, don't like him. Anyways, uh, he wasn't. Sonoda wasn't the only uh, driver to, I guess, have some plans confirmed. Or more so, Williams confirmed that Nicholas Latifi would not be driving for the team in 2023. Uh, you know that. Uh, I guess that's just. I guess. Look, you could look at this very similar to the way that you look at some of the driver moves from like driver news from last year. So, like, I remember the first the first domino that had to fall in the whole George Russell Bottas thing was Raikkonen announcing his retirement. Uh, it was just something we kind of we had the strong suspicion was going to happen, and then the rest falls into place. So look, no real surprise that Latifi has been dropped for twenty three. He was he was lucky to get three years. Let's let's be real. I still can't believe this is year three for him in F one. Of course, he started in twenty twenty, but uh, officially, then Williams confirming that Latifi will not be racing for the team in twenty three. Any 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 thoughts on that at all? R I P go Latifi. Yeah, I guess. Look, we're not going to do this really in Abu Dhabi unless we remember. So, like, do you, do you have any particular favourite uh, Latifi moments in F one or something that's st stood out at all? How bad he is! <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, no, there isn't anything that springs to mind where I'm like, oh yeah, that was a good race. Hungary was pure luck. Hungary was pure luck. I will say he drove a much better race. I think so, I, I think maybe his best race came at Monza. Yeah, in twenty one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he finished 11 that day I know he was helped by the Verstappen uh, uh, Hamilton crash but even still uh, I thought he did well there he did well in qualifying to be fair in Belgium I know there was the whole red flag thing and he, like, he technically he got himself a point for that at least he qualified ninth. And look, what am I about? And he did get to, yeah, and he got two to uh, Q3 in Silverstone this year which is probably his best uh, non-race moment I would say yeah yeah definitely is actually that was I think everybody was in in uproar of that, it was probably the, one of the moments of the season for me. <laughs> yeah, it was a, was a strange one, but uh, yeah. So obviously, look opens up the William seat. We knew this. We've talked about that William seat for a long time now. Uh, I guess we're talking about it for a little while yet. If we're waiting for a sergeant possibly to uh, see what his situation is. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Williams are always Williams and Aston Martin are always last to announce. Always. Aston Martin don't even announce Stroll anymore. No, they don't. Up. He just turns up your eye. <laughs> so, oh, could you imagine if um, uh, Lawrence decides to get rid of Stroll and Stroll ends up back in a Williams? Oh, my gosh. The it's... tears. The tears on the radio would be insane. He just qu <sighs> he just quit. Like, he wouldn't even bother going back to Williams. If He he, he, would, he just wouldn't bother. He, he'd just leave. Honestly, I, I can see him in IndyCar. I, I think he'd suit IndyCar a lot better. I, I don't know, man. He would get tore. I know we talked about this. He would but get ripped apart. He would, but it's just. I think he'd thrive in that kind of environment where it's just, I'm better than you on pace. He'd actually be semi decent. Probably one of the quicker ones around the actual um, racetracks, if you know what I mean, rather than the uh, street courses. So obviously you need to be alert at a street track. 
<laughs> you always have to be alert in the street the street circuit. Uh so yeah, Latifi R yes, R. I. Pico Tifi. Um I would say you will be missed, but not really. Not not that, that since that William C is actually relevant now, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's getting to the point where there's there will be no pay drivers except Stroll there. And he's only there because of Daddy. It's just weird, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like people, like uh, people, obviously, look, pay drives are much maligned, but they're infinitely fewer now than what they used to be. Like, let me, uh, let me go off on this small time. Let's pull up the two thousand and two grid, shall we? Uh, and we'll see who of all grids that I have no knowledge of. Yeah, well, I know this one pretty well, to be fair. Uh, so, for example, at Young in a Minardi, uh, you know. There you go. Malaysia's first F1 driver didn't uh, actually last the full season, to be fair. Enrique Bernaldi, as far as I knew, was uh, he used to be a Red Bull junior way, way, way back. This is when Red Bull just sponsored. Uh, they sponsored Orange Arrows and they sponsored Sauber, but they have their own team. Well, maybe not as many as I thought here, to be fair. I don't know. You know, I don't know how you feel about Takuma Sato as a pay driver back in 2002. Uh well, hundred percent. He probably was a rookie, and you could maybe say the same for Felipe Massa. As a yes, rookie, but no, as a rookie he in two thousand two. Yeah, he came good though, so I, I, I let that one off. So yeah, maybe, uh, and, and technically, Mark Webber would have been as a rookie as well, but a minority almost they, doesn't count. There's a difference. There's a pay driver that's got money because they're good, and gets bumped up the queue because they they've got the money. And then there's a pay driver who's just really bad and just is there because of the money. It's yeah. two different avenues, isn't there? Yeah. Plus, literally, like, like the, the funding literally helped the minority operation live. Yeah. So, I mean, I still, I still think there are far fewer pay drivers now than they were, than there were, you know, like back in F1's past. Just it's more in the junior prevalent. categories now. Yeah, yes and no. Like again, like the the they don't really get like again, this is what the super license system prevents them really getting through unless they're like Mazepin was here like the the weird thing about Mazepin was he was more than good enough for F one. Like well sorry, he wasn't more than good enough, but he was quick enough for F one. Uh throughout he proved in F two and he earned his super license. I just don't know what happened to him in F one. Like, it, it was bizarre how off the pace he was, but he had the pace in the junior categories and the backing obviously helped him get there as well. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. He was, he was actually talented and still is. He just, for some yeah. reason, just didn't click. Probably the car. Probably no bad, no, no um, actual confidence in his in the car because, yeah, any time he turned it, it just been itself. It was the chassis. It was the chassis. Give me mixed chassis. Thing is, if I I was talking to my dad about this the other day, you would say that kind of thing as a parent, wouldn't you? When you see your kid struggling, and then. You see the other guy across the garage who's got exactly the same piece of kit doing semi-decent. You, be, you start to question things. He's like... I'm sure you would, but... Obviously, because like, you'd be wanting the best for your, for your kid at the end of the day, wouldn't you? As, as, as much as I don't like how that whole situation went down, I have nothing against um, parents wanting the best for the, for the kids in the racing scene. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, so moving away from them driver talk, uh, I guess we'll move on to calendar talk. Uh, I guess first was announced, what actually came first? The announcement was, I think it's all the same day, but I think the Monaco, anyways, Monaco has signed a new extension to stay on the F1 calendar until 2025, a new three-year deal. Uh, you were much upset about this, I realise, but... Mm. God. 
Honestly, why? <laughs> I could understand if they were willing to change certain things, but no, it's the same bloody track. I really do think that track would be held if you just shifted the Nouvelle Chicane about 20 or 30 metres further up, if possible. Just open it a little more so that a dive bomb could be had and you can at least make the corner. And so, you know, because you've seen countless drivers go for a dive down the inside and or try and place a car on the outside and then they have to cut the chicane and it's like uh, giving the position back that he's cut the chicane. And, that, and that's how a lot of moves can't be made because they have to give the position back if they... Uh, if they jump the chicane, but if they just move it forward a tad, I think you could certainly, uh, you could certainly help racing there somewhat. Yeah, yeah, I agree, but they won't. They won't, no, <laughs> which is the issue. Uh, anyways, it's there for 2025, and then we got the announcement then the same day that F the FIA had approved a record 24 race calendar for 2023. So, uh, notable items on this calendar include the absence of France, which, as we expected, uh, the return of China in the early part of the season. Uh, Qatar, obviously, coming back then as well for round 19. And obviously, we got the announcement as well. So we have, uh, to begin, so I'll run through this very quickly. Uh, we've got the flyaways to so start Bahrain, Saudi, Australia, China. And then a quick trip to back to Baku. Uh, back to back with China and Baku, by the way, which is, I think, is in... Uh... Oh, sorry, no, I'm looking at the wrong date. Uh, then from Baku to Miami... And then back to Europe to begin the European season with Imola, Monaco, Spain. And then, oh, sorry, and then a brief start to the European season because we go back to Canada. <sighs> then to start the real European season, your likes, your Austria, your Silverstone, Hungary, Belgium before the summer break and as of now still dated on the same weekend that the uh, 24 hours of Spa is taking place. Which has changed. Have they officially changed that now? Yes. Well yes. done. Uh, they what? What do they decide on that in the end? Do they shift? The... I think it's June, July now. June, a few June. weeks, a few weeks earlier. The twenty-four hours. Yeah. Okay. Uh, after the summer break, then is it's the, it's gonna be weird not going back to Belgium at the start of the at the start of the second half mm -hmm. season. That's gonna be weird. That's a very strange one. Could you not have gone Dutch uh, to start to end the first half of the season and then Belgium? I think that's a strange one to me. Anyways, uh, Netherlands, Italy, and then the flyaways, Singapore, Japan, Qatar, Kota, Mexico, Brazil, Las Vegas, of course, and Abu Dhabi to finish. So 24 races from March 3rd to, uh, well, March 5th, rather, to November 26th. Any thoughts on the calendar itself or any scheduling snafus other than <laughs> clashes? Um, I like all the tracks there, pretty much. That's a good, a good thing, it's, apart from Monaco. Um, yeah, I'm giving Qatar a chance with these new cars, but I'm not mad on it. I, I didn't think it was too bad, to be fair. It, it wasn't was, It wasn't bad. We just didn't need it. We don't need another race over there. No, we don't. But if out of any, that was probably the best track it could go to. I know, obviously, they're looking at moving it eventually in the next few years anyway, but it's not the worst track. It could have been a lot worse, i.e. Vegas looks awful. But, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. The actual groupings where F1 was like, yes, we're going to group everything together to make it more environmental. Right. Okay, Do you want to hear about why this has been the case? You go for it. Uh, far away. There's a piece on motorsport.com about this from Luke Smith talking about how did, how we got to what we got, the 24 races. And the there's a section here. What happened to plans to group races geographically? So 
Uh, I'll, re I'll read this piece and then uh, we'll go from there. Uh, this is one. This is one of the biggest criticisms laid against F1 upon the publication of the calendar. For a series that is aiming to achieve net carbon zero emissions by 2030, the, the amount of air travel involved, uh, 133,570 kilometers going from one race to another without any visits home, seems like a huge step backwards. Back in May, F1 CEO Stefano Domenicali told team bosses the plan was to group races by region from 2023 as part of a sustainability commitment. While there is some loose grouping, Singapore, Japan, Qatar, and then USA, Mexico, Brazil, Las Vegas, it isn't anything like the kind of scheduling many would have hoped on this front. F1 did make efforts to try and group races better, but for many events with contracts already in place and dates set, shifting races around simply wasn't viable. In some cases, the push to try and get a date, ch uh, a date change even, when, even went up to the very highest level of government, only for it to be rebuffed. Promoters need to factor in the time of year, the weather conditions and any possible impact on the fan experience, which is ultimately how they bring in the revenue to cover the hosting fee. It's not the work of a moment. Making the shift to a more grouped calendar is an area F1 will work on moving forward, but it will be tricky. It will need to weigh up the challenge of shifting dates around and keeping promoters happy with the sustainability commitment. For the sake of the planet, there can only be one winner here, but it will take time to get proper, uh, the pro get pro proper calendar grouping in place. Right. It made sense. Obviously, it was never going to happen. Everything's all grouped together instantly. Sure. It's going to be a long process. But they could have just said, right, we're going to start looking at it and do a few changes here and there. But we'll get the all... By 2030, everything will be grouped, is what I would have said in the long term. That would have been the commitment that I would have made from the get-go. Instead of just saying, we're going to start looking at it. If you know what I mean. Hmm. Uh, there was a few other like uh, so like something else that Luke Smith notes here is that uh, splitting up Bahrain and Saudi at the start of the year may seem strange given their proximity, but there is some logic behind it. With the testing set to take place in Bahrain one week before the season opener, pairing the first two races would have created in effect another triple header. The gap at least gives teams and personnel the chance to go home after the stint in Bahrain. That's fair. That's that's more than fair. Two weeks is yeah, that's fine. So there's a few little things like that. Uh, Dominicali has said, like, obviously, look, 24 races is the most on an F1 calendar ever that we, at least in this era. Uh, I know there's been other, I know there's been, I know there's some other quirks in the past where more races have taken place, but they haven't been championship event races. Uh, but Dominicali has, uh, 24 races is by the, is the limit on the Concord Agreement as well for that, for that, for starters as well. So there's not going to be more under this current agreement. But Dominicali has said that he does, like, I can't, I don't want to discuss any more than that number is what he said. Yeah. So if anything's new is going to come in, then other things have got to drop off. Yes. Basically what he's saying. Uh, he said there could have been, there's enough interest for 30 races. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be two races in the UK, is what I'm sure the UK government would push for. Yeah. And another race in America, another race in China. And maybe. obviously, yeah, it's the second China race we talked about, and the one that racefans.net is noting is at top of the the line for next in line is uh, South Africa. Yeah, that, that's that's the one we all know is coming. That, yeah. That's the next one in line to go to, 100%. But, right, do you want to run through and th this whole calendar, I, I think, is a complete mess. I, I think between me and you, we could make this calendar a lot more better for the viewers in terms of placement okay so you're you're so you're uh so if we have no 
no no restrictions on terms of weather time of year purely as a fan entertainment thing and oh. sort of being envi- environmental so like obviously we, I, pers- I personally think Abu Dhabi is the last race is shite said it for years yeah last year was better Ah, uh, the thing with Abu Dhabi, like if I was, if you're asking me to make up a calendar, I'd still put Abu Dhabi. Like I would try and make it somewhat realistic. And the fact that Abu Dhabi is last, I, I just keep it like that, just because. I wouldn't. Uh, very rarely we actually get a title decider, anyways. But the the main the major changes I would have is I'd move Saudi back towards the end. I'd move Saudi as your second last race. Uh, we yeah. 2021 only like showed what an awesome high stake and like heck if we the in th- i know in theory we got, we got a bear race this year with saudi being second given how the championship was at the time and the ferrari red bull thing was much closer then so we wouldn't have to set the same uh i guess tension that we would have had but you know if we had that race at the second last race of the season if there was a title fight going on this year and last year would have been you know it would have been a plus it's a it's a really solid track for action and the tension was like like I remember, like, I don't know how your emotions were during the Saudi race last year in 21, but heart racing stuff and the stuff that Verstappen was going for and the, 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 they came together. It was bonkers. What an absolute mad race. I'm, I'd, happy, I'd happily have it second last. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Like, obviously, there's certain races where I'm like, why are we going from Miami? We're going from Azerbaijan to Miami to Italy to then three weeks or four weeks later to go to Canada to yeah, then come back to Europe. That makes no sense. That's the weird thing. We've got three European races in Monaco, Spain, Canada. Then we go to Canada. Then we go Austria and the rest of them there. So I'd stick uh, Canada and Miami together. Yeah, the word, that, that would, I think, just before we go to Europe and start the European season, we go to them. Mm-hmm. That, w- that would be better. I'd have um, uh, I'd have Baku before Singapore. Yeah, it wants to be in that region, doesn't it? Yeah. I would also have Vegas and Kota as a double header. Yes, absolutely. I think that would actually be pretty fun. Now, would you do Mexico be... in between that, or would you do Kota, then Vegas, then Mexico, then Brazil? That would be my end into a season, ideal end to a season, I think. Mm. I think... A tar decided any three of them tracks, excluding Vegas. I don't care about Vegas, but then three, I think that would bring in excellent title battles. That would be the ultimate way for me. I, I would start off Bahrain, Saudi, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, okay. get them all out of the way. Then China, Australia, Azerbaijan, and then we go back to uh, Singapore and Japan later on in the year. It's it's like really the European season is fine, really, other than Canada in between. Yeah, like it, it's literally just move Canada out of the way and just put it before Spain, and you're fine. Yeah, I think it's just the beginning. The be- and beginning, I'm not too upset with either. It's just how really. Oh. Uh, I think with the flyaways really, and towards the end, I'd like to see China go back to one of its slots near the end of the season. Uh, it would actually suit being in between Singapore and Japan. I think somewhere around there, just like. If you, I think I don't like it early on in the season. Yeah, right. Like, how much better was Malaysia when it moved away from the early? Ca- I know we got some good early Malaysia races in the season, but I've preferred it much better as a flyaway towards the end of the season than yeah than uh, when it was early the season. And again, in the same way that Brazil, I much prefer Brazil near the end of the season than it used to be. At the, it used to be like round number three. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, Brazil at the end is much, much better. Don't understand why Spain's after Monaco. That makes no sense. Uh, yeah, that's not... It's normally Spain first. It's, Spain is normally the kickoff for the European season, excluding uh, Mimola. Mimola's normally the first European race we have. Mm, obviously well, it has the, been the last couple of years. Spain's where I've, like the first major European race. They bring Everyone brings their, their upgrades for after the first. Mostly their main upgrades, really, to start. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, if I if, oh, if I known you, I could have put together a more thorough uh, calendar. I've only just thought about it as I'm, as I'm sat here looking at it. <laughs> I'm just like, it's just so all over the place. It's better than what it was, but like you say, some of the decisions just make no sense. Yeah, look, it wasn't going to be something that was going to be fixed overnight. I I, know, it, I yeah, understand that. And look, there, there's still some there's some coherent sense here. Like The most sense on the calendar is your, your European season, uh, minus Canada, obviously, and then your um, USA, Mexico, Brazil is always the one that... Uh, it makes the most sense there geographically. Yeah, and then back to USA. <laughs> back to USA and then over to Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Just do a triple USA header. That would be fine. Yeah. And honestly, I think Miami would be better in the end of the season to be fair. Yeah, I need to I need to watch that race again. I, I, I'm not sure where I stand on it. I I want to I need to watch it again at some point and figure out how I feel about it. I I, I think we were both in the same boat. It's a lot better than what we thought it was gonna be anyway. Obviously Max piss all over well it was I mean, well I mean it was pretty like Leclerc was only a second off in the end yeah yeah, he did come back in the end but Max did ultimately have the better pace but it was a lot better than I was expecting it to be yeah I do think this is a separate conversation entirely like the, look the the expectation Domenicali spoke about this very recently uh, and Gunter Steiner talked about it at the beginning of the year I remember talking about it because uh, he was I thought it was really interesting but the gaps should close the more and Horner mentioned this as well I believe as well so see, Horner's stipulation as long as the, the regulations don't change a lot the grid will close up yeah this first year was always going to be where their most separation was likely to be it was the same in 2014 it was the same in the regs before that as well there was always a couple of teams that were, got it right straight away mm. Well, I will say, I think engines are a little bit different. We'll have a different conversation about that when 26, when those come through. Because how, like, yeah. how many years, like it took at least four or five years for others to decide, right, well, our philosophy clearly doesn't work. The split turbo clearly is the best one. We're going to have to just bite the bullet and get it done. And of course, because they didn't have the time with it, it's like only really now, slash maybe last year, with the exception of Ferrari, of course, uh, did most of the field really catch up to Mercedes as a whole? This is the clo- I think this year is the closest the engines have ever been together. Yeah, you it, it changed. It's, it's so close. There was one track, one will be good. The next track, another one will be good. It's oh, one's better at this than the other. Another one's better at that. It's, it's really back and forth. It is good in that term. That's how it should be, I think. Yeah, it should one be. One should be better. It should be basically like. The thing we see with Williams is like this car, and we saw it similar with the 2018 Force India as well. It's just, and the 2016 Williams, like the whatever cars are less draggy uh, are going to have, you know, it basically should like, come down to the car. If, if your car is draggy, then, you know, you might struggle compared to the car that is a bit more slippery. Mm. Like, for example, the Ferrari is insane on traction, the Red Bull is insane at top speeds it's oh i love it i love the dynamics of it because it makes you think like oh this corner they're going to be better here but when we get to this straight they're going to come back and piss all over them for example it's 
oh, I love I love that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Again, like dynamics of the car versus dynamics of the track. You know, mm. that's what we want to see. Yeah, basically. I just want variation. I don't want just, oh, the Mercedes is the best engine. Everybody's going to have the Mercedes engine. That's boring. Yeah, that's, that's where we were, really. Like Williams and Force India and the such were strong just for those reasons in the early years. Yeah, and obviously Ferrari's a legal engine that is hush hush was uh, over overpowered and got nerfed <laughs> yeah look you gotta get worse before you get better sometimes still in that trend of getting worse anyway. <laughs> anyways uh, should we move on to a preview of singapore i'd like to actually do a quick one of singapore and then maybe an overview of the flyaways and who could perform well in the flyaways i guess towards the end here uh, I guess starting with Singapore, obviously, look, nice to be back since, uh, obviously, you haven't been back since 2019. 2019 was a really interesting race at Singapore. Basically, the pace was controlled. The field was so much tighter in the start of the race. And then, because the guys in the front couldn't pit because you just, just got, get dropped into traffic. And, and then, I, I don't know what lap it was, but it took a fair while for the front guys to be like, right, now we need to go. But it was a really fascinating race. Obviously, one that Charlie Leclerc probably should have won. I do think Ferrari kind of manufactured a win for Vettel. Yeah, uh, they did. it's his last one to date. Unlikely, I would say, to uh, him to add to any more of that. So this this is likely going to be his. I guess that's fitting in some ways uh, that Singapore is Vettel's last last victory. Yeah, it is, isn't it? There isn't any other place apart from Hungary that really. Speaks volumes because Vettel always goes well at Hungary, nine times out of ten. I think of Vettel tracks. I think of places like mm, Singa- India, Singapore. <laughs> yeah, India. Well, he is. He's the only ever winner at India in F one. So yeah, true. Uh, other than that, like what, what else is a Vettel kind of track? Australia. I think he's got yeah. three or four wins there. So there isn't many. Really. Yeah, no, I know, right? Like like Hamilton, you could say right, Canada, Hungary. Hungary. Uh, Circuit Americas. Circuit, uh, yeah, two weeks. Well, he's got no, three he's, there. he's got he's got four. I would have put China in that bracket as well. Yeah. So yeah, this, tracks this like loads. that, but yeah, Singapore is definitely, I'd say, maybe Vettel's most, uh, I guess, uh, frequent, I mean, maybe popular uh, track, anyways, for himself. But, anyways, uh, so I mean, obviously, Red Bull are obviously the ones to beat. Do we think Ferrari? Maybe I, I, I still think. I think this track should suit them, but I don't. It's hard to say where they're really at. But I think, in theory, you talk about traction and these kind of things. I think, in theory, this should be a place they should perform pretty well. If, if any places I would have said they were going to win, this is the one. There is. I just don't see how Max manages to get him on pure pace it will have to be strategy oh sorry get them on pace because Perez isn't going to do it let's be <laughs> real um that i just think the ferrari would just be suited to that down to a t like say the traction it's more nimble seems to go better at the low downforce at uh, the high downforce circuits you struggle to overtake as it is anyway in singapore and that was when the cars were unable to follow mm-hmm. might be might be slightly different now i don't know but i'm still not expecting an exciting race in in that respect, but I, I I'm swinging, I'm like sixty forty Ferrari at the minute. I think we've had plenty of good racing here over the years in in Singapore, even with the previous regs. Yeah, we have, but the the last time we were here was very poor, very very poor. I don't know, and man. Twenty nineteen was a pretty decent race. There's some there's some good action in midfield. 
Yeah, nice little ding dong between them. Like, there's a racing point. There's Ricardo. There was a McLaren in the mix. Uh, but we, we literally followed everyone around in a train until they decided, all right, we actually need to do something now. I think it did eventually it, pick up. It did, but I'm just like, well, if it was good all the way through, then I'd be a bit more interested. But it is one of my favourite tracks, so mm. and it is the bucket list one to go to, which is weird when I say it's boring. Makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> I do think we need to look at Mercedes at this race as well. There are simulations no. telling are telling the Total Wolf that this might be their, a, a very good chance for them, and it might be. I I don't think so. I don't, I don't think they'll be able to get the, the tyres up to 10. I think... I, I just, it's one of them tracks where it's happened before for them, where they just couldn't switch on the tyres at all, and that has been one of their main problems. It I know it's hot. It would be ironic that... Because even during the, at the height of the Mercedes dominance, Singapore was the one track where... You look back always. in 2015, you look back at 20... 2016 as well, right? Uh, 2016, it was tight. I think they had it, though. It was just Ricardo was coming at Rosberg late on with fresh tyres was all. Uh, yeah. So Rosberg just okay. had to manage it. 2016 was like, was, was, was again, the, the, that is... I know 2020 is a very good car, but 2016, they legitimately could have won every single race. Um so I, I think they had covered there. 17 was the one that everyone, let, like they Mercedes got let off the hook. They were convincingly the third quickest team behind Red Bull and Ferrari. And of course, Sebastian Vettel decides, now nah, I don't see Raikkonen. I'm going to go cover off for Stappen. And Hamilton uh, just goes on through with him. And damaged Ricardo couldn't do anything. But like, it's the one, if it was, so it would be ironic if this is the one that Mercedes won at, like the inverse of, you know, when other teams are dominating, this is the one that they strike at, like their rivals did to them at the height of their dominance. I just think that would be funny. It would be, actually, yeah, now you say it. And which one, which driver would you swing more towards too? Ooh, I'm, gonna, I'm uh, just going to say Hamilton only for the fact Russell has driven that track once. Yeah, that's where I was at as well. So, and Hamilton obviously has the best qualifying lap of all time at this track. Thanks for that, everyone on Twitter. Yeah, they pushed that a lot. There's plenty of better. It was a good lap. It was a very good lap, don't get me wrong. Very, 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 very good lap. But I I think there was a lot of better. There is a few better ones for me. Mm -hmm. Vela Hockenheim. (laughs) No, to be fair, I do do really like Vela. 2018? I think even 2017, Vettel stole pole position here from from Verstappen. That was a banger of a lap as well. Yeah, it was one of them too anyway. But it was an absolute bonkers lap. Yeah, but I do think they will be they will be quicker, they will be relevant, and you know we'll see what happens. I think they've got a good chance for certainly to certainly claim another double podium if things go well. Yeah, yeah, so do I. I. Honestly, the trend of the season, like we said, is everybody's tripping up over each other and can't keep out of their own way. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me. Ferrari chuck it away somehow, or Perez just isn't on it. I don't think he will be. It, it, I just don't see him going well here. But saying that, he won. But Monaco, unexpectedly, was on the pace, so I don't know. Mm. Who knows? Now, in theory, we should have as well, uh, obviously, throughout most of the races since the summer break, it's been engine penalties galore. We should be seeing, especially for the top teams, we should be seeing most of that behind now, although I think Russell may still have to take one at some stage. Yeah, I think Russell is one of the only ones who hasn't took one. So I imagine they might do that at Kota, possibly. Yeah, this is not the place to do it. Here or Japan. I would no yeah, way. Japan I would have thought maybe wouldn't be the one either. In theory maybe it might be, but I certainly we'll have to see. Yeah, certainly I wouldn't I wouldn't do it in Singapore, certainly. So 
But so in theory, we should see, you know, both Red Bulls, both Ferraris, and you know, at least uh, at least competing for the the top positions. And we'll see when Mercedes figure into that. I think I think they could. I think they have a chance to capitalize on the languishing ones, like maybe Perez, and you know, if maybe Sainz isn't up to uh, isn't up to. I know he's gone. Maybe he's gone well here in the past, but if he isn't up uh, feeling it or whatever, or if there's a problem for Leclerc or something, uh, I think they are finally positioned to. Uh, to steal in and some results here so i think they'll be ones to watch i want to see how alpine get on we know they've got big upgrade for singapore we know what their floor so we'll see what happens with that they are very we talked about this last week they're very confident about that upgrade as well they're expecting good results in uh singapore and japan maybe more so japan yeah could be uh, could be key in their five for fourth place uh, do, 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 do. I don't know how Williams are going to get on here. It could be a tough one for them. Oh, there's 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 a, there's a write-off, and especially if Albon isn't in the car. Yeah, we, I still think he's not going to be there. It's going to be tight. I'd be surprised. This is not. You could maybe he could come back with give what he has. I would think at Italy, Singapore. Mm. I think he'll be there, but I don't think he'll be racing. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll find out on Wednesday. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I imagine, I don't know, man, well, we certainly should know before practice, anyway, so I think they should make it a little bit well, earlier. Well, I hope so. Yeah, you should, yeah, one would hope. <laughs> do you, just do all of the three practices and they're like, yeah, he can't race. <laughs> uh, I, I would hope for Haas' sake they go a little bit better here. Maybe we'll finally see their upgrade, kind of, you know, because we have seen a lot of straight-line dependent circuits so far since the summer break, since their upgrade has been on both cars, so... Uh, you know, if we give them the exception of Hungary for the first race of running it, understanding it, uh, second race at Belgium, and then, and then obviously it's Spa or uh, Italy, maybe in straight line speed, maybe not as much. Although Mick was having a decent race of things in Monza, to be fair, they had some, some good strategy there. Don't don't know what to take from their stuff at Mo- uh, Netherlands. Obviously, Magnussen went off and Mick got screwed in the pits, so there was a chance for points for Mick there. So I think we haven't seen Haas at their best yet with this upgrade yeah. if there is a best to be had so i'm interested to see how they got on the these particular two races i i am as well the mick cannot bid it this weekend cannot bin it mm-hmm. this is the this is crunch time he's been I, I, like you said he's been doing well in the last few races i think he's just been screwed left right and center or engine penalties have sort of put him out of contention or the pit stops or whatever if he can just be there and just show the team that he can outperform K Mags, or at least be level with him, then I think he stands a good chance of retaining the seat because obviously we've said Ricardo's not going. The only other choice really they've got is Hulkenberg, and I, I don't I don't see that materialising. Hmm. These these are crucial races for his career, crucial, and it's tracks that he hasn't been to, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, there's a so like the drivers who haven't been to Singapore are Sonoda, Joe, to do Mick. Uh, and Latifi and drivers who've only been here once are Albon, Russell, Norris, and uh, Gasly's been here twice. Actually, maybe yeah, was, yeah twice because Kvyat was still in in twenty seventeen. So like six, five, six, seven drivers have only been here once slash haven't raced here at all. So there is going to be some, there might be some uh, some errors here and there because it's a, again it's a, and we might even see it in the race as well because these guys. The modern, like, Malaysia used to be one of the toughest tracks on the circuit. This this is probably now, and that's gone. And obviously now, since Bahrain turned into a night race as well, this is definitely probably the toughest race on the entire calendar. Yeah, if you follow any definite drivers on social media, you would have seen them in heat training, just in saunas on, mm-hmm. on push bikes and stuff for 
Leclerc posted a picture of him in the complete opposite in freezing cold temperatures, trying to condition their body for this absolute oh, what what's the word? It's an absolute shit show, mm. isn't it? Of, of that's being thrown at them. It's it's completely horrible to race with. And they will be they will be on their arse afterwards. Yeah, what what comes close in terms of uh, like a tough physical race? Baku is one. Uh, Brazil. Brazil, okay. Because of oh no, Mexico. What well, I'm on about Mexico because of the altitude. Yeah. Brazil, I was more on about the heat and just it being continuous strain on your neck. Yeah, Cote is a tough physical race as well. Yeah, so I'd say Silverstone as well, just because of that. G forces. Yeah, the G-forces, three magazine and back is the continuous um, strain on your neck. A lot, a lot of it is down to your neck at the end of the day. Mm. That's what De Vries said after Monza. He's going to be stuffed yeah. if he's racing here. You could probably put Spain in a very similar bracket to Silverstone as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Miami Fresh people found it tough as well. Monaco is a, like a, not, like it's a mental strain as well. Yeah, I, I'd be getting pissed off at Monaco. <laughs> Can't but, overtake you. Yeah, good one. Can't overtake, can't switch off, even for like, perhaps, like perhaps down the. Uh, I know. I'm ten seconds around quicker than this guy, but I can't overtake him <laughs> because they refuse to change anything. But certainly, uh, Singapore is like has the crown as the most difficult race of the year. Yeah, without without, it's not even close to anything else. It's it's unreal. Both temperature it's, it's, and just like humidity and just it's a it's oof, a car that track is a is a tough one. We, you you could quite easily walk around in in a bikini at night time, and <laughs> you'd still be hot. It's it's so bad, so so bad. So imagine having your race overalls and having to drive for two hours flat out. No thanks. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's basically a two hour race essentially. Yeah, I, I still don't understand why it's that long. F- it is... Like we've got fifty three laps in Italy, and we've got like sixty one in Singapore. Yeah, when it's what twenty seconds longer a lap. It makes no sense, mm-hmm. and obviously, we obviously we can't forget that Pirelli going to cock this up somehow, so everybody's having to make seven stops. Yeah, that's the thing. Like we don't know what, like what, like the tire cards have changed a bunch since we like we've last been to Singapore. So I don't know, like it could be. Yeah, we could have a lot of useless and compounds. Yeah, and obviously the the surface hasn't been used for um, what two years, three years, and it based off what. We've seen of the passing tracks like that. It's going to take a lot of scrubbing to get it up to up to grade. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, they need to do what IndyCar did and do what they uh, put a load of cars out on track at um, Laguna Seca just to scrub all the track just to get some rubber down because it hadn't been used in a long time. Yeah, how do well unofficially? Circus, yeah, yeah. Uh, I expect Aston Martin to be quite good here, not just here, but. A lot of the tracks for the rest of the season, I think, will suit them much better than what's come before. So Singapore and Japan, I think, I think they could be quite tidy around Mexico as well. And they should be, but they won't be. So I think they've got good optimism for some good results here to end the season. I think that car is getting better. Yeah, so do I. Like, so do I. like you, you can make a case that that is the sixth or seventh quickest car now. It's hundred percent the seventh. Hundred percent. You know. It's debatable with the Alphatari when that decides to show up. Yeah, that's... that's that's the one car I've, I don't know what to expect the rest of the way. Sorry, How... the Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo, I forgot about them. They've gone backwards. Yeah. So, so I'm really not sure. Uh, 
Anything else on your mind in terms of, uh, do we think Espan Ockham will try and take out his teammate here as well? Or, oh, I don't know, that's Perez's fault, but even still. <laughs> uh, hopefully. That would be funny. Hopefully. So if he takes out Gasly, that would be even funnier. <laughs> Could you imagine just, yeah, you're not being my teammate. Oh, stop. And just like, and just like open, like just let Mick buy, just like just yeah. completely like, maybe, just let him go. Yeah. <laughs> um, he comes over the radio and is like, I want him. <laughs> Mid, mid-race lobbying uh, alright then should we make a prediction if we have to also please just be dry I don't I don't need a wet Singapore I don't you don't think that could be, you don't think that could be, uh, could be fun it could be good but I don't want to be sat there for two and a half hours well it won't be because it's a two hour race limit so uh, that is a good point that is a good point <laughs> but you know what I mean I don't want to be sat there for the full two hours I would like to do something else with my Sunday do you know what? Uh, I, I, for for shits and giggles, I'm going to. Uh, you can rant about something if you want. I'm going to try and find what the shortest Singapore race is off, like off the top, and uh, just just or at least what some of the some of them have been for the last uh, for the last while. Also, the yeah fact that Kevin Magnussen still holds the lap record here makes me piss myself. That is right, because the twenty seven it was twenty eighteen, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Pitted last lap, I think, to go for fastest lap and. Uh... That's the fastest lap still to this day, because obviously, I don't think he'll ever be beaten either. It's it's just got no chance of being beaten. Not until uh, we get, I'd say, maybe a few years forward with these uh, with these cars. Oh, definitely. And even then, I think it'll be a struggle, uh, struggle because of the uh, compound. I think that was the ultra soft or the hyper soft. No, it's a hyper. We had the hyper soft in eighteen. Yeah, the hyper soft. So obviously, we only have the soft now. So. Mm. So in 2019, uh, Vettel won the uh, one hour 58 minutes. Jesus Christ. Uh, in 20... Sorry, I was tw- sorry 20, that was 2019. 2018, it was in one hour 51 for Lewis Hamilton. 2017, oh, I'll just go back maybe five, six years. 2017 was two hours three. Now, we did have a fair amount of safety cars and there was wet, wet running as well. So there was that. Uh, twenty sixteen, maybe we only say the car at the start for Hulkenberg's accident. I believe it was fairly straightforward. I think from there on. I can't remember that. Uh, R fifty five for Rosberg in twenty sixteen. I'll go back to the start of the hybrid area. Actually, I'll do the last year of the uh, up to the last year of the V eight just to see if there can be any difference really. Uh, so that was 2016, 2015, where Vettel won two hours one. So oh you kind of get the yeah, this limit is going to be is going to be tight. Two hours in twenty fourteen for Hamilton. Uh, point is, actually, do you know what? I'm going to just go all the way back and see if we've had in the race lower than one minute fifty. Uh, one fifty nine for Vettel in twenty thirteen. That was he did the clean uh, the clean sweep that weekend, didn't he? That was one of his mm-hmm. grand slams. Everything. Uh, two hours in twenty twelve. So and that was why that was yeah. Vettel as well. 159, 2010. We'll go back. I'm just going to go back to 2008 because that's as far as it goes. So I have like so I've been here for 14, 15 years now, which is crazy to think about. Uh, 157 for Alonso back in 2010. Uh, 2009. Then who won? The, won oh, Hamilton won 156. And last but not least, in 2008, the much maligned and just controversial 2008 Singapore Grand Prix was 157. So what, what what was the what was the lowest one out of all that? Uh, oh, that one fifty summer. Yeah. So basically, there hasn't been a race here that hasn't been hasn't been lower than one hour fifty. So that's what we can expect. You know, something similar of the sort. They're gonna have to up the time limit. <laughs> just, 
where's the logic in having a race that runs for an hour 50 but we have a two hour time limit yeah the two hour three one is an odd one because even if an extra lap like you know it's you, you still chop a lap out of that I don't know very very strange anyways uh, prediction uh, I'm going to go with the Leclerc win ahead of the two Mercedes boys no Hamilton uh, Verstappen and Hamilton okay um, I'm going science mm. science Max Leclerc, Hamilton, then Russell. Okay, I think you are underestimating the Mercedes here as well. I'm not underestimating. I think they'll be very close. I just think Red Bull will be able, they won't be able to take the overtake the Red Bull on um, straight line speed. So mm. that's that's the only reason. Okay, they, they've got Paris in sixth easily. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, uh, this is where they crash. Oh, we should mention that technically. Uh, Verstappen could clinch the title in Singapore. Yes. Do we think that happens? No. No, I don't too, think so either. There's too much that needs to happen. But it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> when you say there's too much need to happen, like all it takes is a Leclerc DNF and a Max win and it's done. Essentially. Well, that's it. Uh, yeah. So and which we've seen happen a few times this season. Oh, and imagine last lap and Leclerc's engine goes and is in the lead and Max is in second. Oh god i reckon the sooner they know it's over the better to be fair yeah yeah i've known it's been over for a while yeah i'm still holding to japan is where it happens yeah japan's my my bet i'd like for it to happen there so would i just for the 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 honda thing yeah uh right there's one thing i want to talk about uh very briefly before we talk about shy talk Uh, f3 testing has been taking place uh, at Jerez. Mm. Uh, By the way, can we go back to Jerez, please? And like, last F2 race there was 2017. Uh, unreal stuff. I loved it. Absolutely. It was fantastic. Can we please go back there? It's, there's a couple of good tracks in MotoGP, though, in Spain. They're very, very good to watch. Oh. Very, very good. Uh so just so like so the kind of drivers testing is a lot of uh, a lot of freca drivers here uh a couple of ones that are returning like the i think i don't, I don't know i don't know what if f3 testing is indicative as f2 testing is at the end of the season i don't think it is but, but yeah there's a few repeat drivers here like uh pepe or sorry, um, sorry marty uh Caelan frederick zach o'sullivan in the prima rusi shijima in the high tech Ooh, that could be fun yeah. colapinto in MP, I MP, believe it was. yes, yes. Um, I was, I was like, he's with the same team. I was like, no, he's mm, with B, with MP. Uh, Gregor Saucy still with ART, uh, but a lot, like a lot of rookies. Uh, Gabriela Mini was in the high tech. He was quickest on the first day. Uh, Seb Montoya's in the high tech. That's gonna be that'll be fun. Uh, Johnny Ecker in an MP as well. Be interesting one. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Beganovich in a Prima, not too surprising. Uh, Oliver Goethe is gonna be uh, Goeth Goethe. I don't know. Uh, we saw him in the try. Uh, won the car towards the end of the season. He's in a trident there. Uh, Hunter Yaney in a Carlin. Yeah, that one's bizarre. Uh, but other Freca drivers like uh, Fornaroli. Uh, do, 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 do. There's, a, there's another. There's another Fisher Paldi. Uh, Emerson. <laughs> another Emerson. Yep. Uh, do, 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 do. Mary Boy is in there as well. Uh, Paul Aaron in the Prima, obviously. Uh, Bortoletto re- led day two in the trident. I like Bortoletto quite a bit. Christian Mansell is here as well, by the way, in the Campos. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, anything interesting on day three uh, Colin Pinto top day three then Gerthes had some good times Bortles had some more good times Minis have been up there uh, nothing too much out of the ordinary here but yeah I thought that some of that was interesting uh, Brad Benavides in an ART that is a brave one mm. uh, oh, Hadrian, where's Alitello there 
Uh, Alatalo was not there. Uh, Hadrian David Ooh. was here from. Uh, yeah, Alatalo could go up. I don't know. I'm. I, well, I don't know. I don't know as much about F three testing for it to be indicative of what we know from F two testing for the end of in Abu Dhabi. No, I, I don't think it is. But if it is, then that Prima lineup is scary. Because I would say it's about. I'd say maybe 80% rookies here and like 20, maybe even less percent of returning drivers, which I don't think will be the case when we get to an actual grid. No, it'll be 60 40. There'll be a lot of turnover. There will be, yeah, as, look, as expected, a 30 flipping car, uh, 30 car uh, championship. No Enzo truly? No Enzo truly here so far. What a shame. Give him the chap time. He's only 16, 17. I don't like truly, so. Did you did you watch much Yarno when he was Yarno was in F one? No, because he was ass. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm on about Yarno. I'm on about Yarno. Not about not about his son. Okay, that's what I said. Like Yarno truly, like Yarno truly, were maybe inconsistent, but man was quick at least. No. You you didn't like Yarno truly? Why would he get dropped from Renault if he was good? It was flat. Replaced with just with just another useless Italian in Fisichella, but. Well, well. First of all, he was replaced. Well, he was replaced by Villeneuve to end the season, which is even yeah. But that else. was money. Uh, also, it was Flavio, man. Flavio ran a very tight ship at uh, at Renault. Yeah, very controversial ship. Well, that too. But look, Trudy was tr- tr- look. Tr- uh, Trudy was an excellent qualifier. He was a very quick qualifier. I just couldn't really do it in the race. I I loved Trudy when he was at Toyota. To be fair, he had a great little renaissance with Toyota there. He did ish. They were just, uh, he was multiple podiums in 05 and 06. Yeah, I mean, they let themselves down when it came to... 09, 09 was the 09, big yes. one. They they had a 1-2 in qualifying in Bahrain and didn't convert that to a victory. They were the, one of the only teams to bring the uh, double diffuser? Yeah, it was them, Williams and, and Braun. Braun. Yeah. And obviously once they everyone else copped on, then obviously they fell behind a bit. Yeah, uh, it, it may have been the difference if they had won that Bahrain race. It may have been the difference that kept them from pulling out. Yeah, there's Which... a there's a great video on the races YouTube channel about I think uh, the the Toyota failed thing about like the failed billion dollar uh, uh, failure. A billion. I suppose Jeez. they they went. Like, if you watch the video, they went to extreme lengths and none of it paid off. Oh five was, oh five and oh nine was the closest they really got. Yeah, I would say. They had some good cars. I liked that car a lot. It was a nice looking car. Yeah, there was nice actually. To be fair, yeah, it was the, different. The OH one was nice, obviously with the shark fin. Mm. I do like the shark fin. Now I those shark, shark fins. Now, I don't. I don't miss the seven. The most of the seventeen shark fins, like the Haas shark fin, the Ferrari shark fin, the Mercedes. I like them, I do. The Mercedes shark fin was nice. Uh, that is of like an, say that. an actual boy. an actual shark fin, not the flipping. Uh, whale fin or whatever it was like you know they you know I mean with, with no point they know it was just a the square thing like the Williams the Force India one they was they were rotten they were rotten to look at the OH shark fins were nice like the Toro Rosso the McLaren all those like actual pointed fins not the shitty square things we got in the Force India you've and, always got something to complain about me yes no it's just all oh, oh, mercedes had the best one mercedes 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 you all over i'm I, fed up of it i'm capable of saying some nice things about mercedes from time to time no 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 they do when will you learn they don't deserve it graham no <laughs> this is not allowed on this podcast keep them views to yourself nobody cares but did you know that their f1 trucks uh 
have reduced their emissions by eighty nine percent with their biofuel. Right. It's pretty cool. I don't care. The trucks. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the Mercedes truck podcast, is it? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, what, gonna... what, what you've just given the, the listeners a load of useless information. <laughs> spoke about some crappy shark fins. They were. were really, really good. And you were there, oh, I don't like the square ones. The square right. ones were shit. Right. With the T-wings. But the Mercedes one was the best. It was nice. Right. It was one of the nicer ones. The Toros one, I think, was pretty nice as well. Mm, it was. Any, any, look, any shark fin in 2017 that had an actual spike to it, like similar to the ones of OH, I liked. The flipping square fins, I did not like. And then you had the, the then you had the Stegosaurus uh, flipping Force India one that they introduced at Singapore, <laughs> if you remember that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, to do speaking of hypocr- uh, being hypocritical, uh, we both dislike Aston Martin a fair amount. Of it, yet you and me have both. Uh, I know we're late to the party on this, but uh, we both selected Aston Martin for an F one manager campaign. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, it was I wasn't going to go with Williams. That's boring. Everybody does that. Yeah. Enough on that. Yeah. So, I mean, you could bore people very quickly by just like telling our adventures on F1 Manager. It is fun. It is very immersive. If you want to, if you want to learn a bit more about inner inner workings of F1 teams, it is pretty accurate. I would say. It's not bad, is it? It's a lot deeper dive than I thought it was. Oh yeah, certainly. Uh, so, I, I guess for me, very quickly, I chose Aston Martin just because a bit more money to play with, uh, in terms of building the car. Because it's a, it's a shite car first and foremost, and b. Yeah, I don't know. A it chance a lot to, of money. It gives a lot of money. Uh, a chance to actually do something good with that outfit. So I uh, I did two races and then I decided, right, I sacked off Stroll because he had a shite race. Uh, I put Hauger in the car instead because why not? Why wouldn't I? Um, and got one points finish with Vettel in Spain. Was on course for a fantastic result of Hungary, seventh place with Vettel, who fucking crashed about eight laps to go. I was fucking fuming. He's on his own as well. Oh, fuming. Absolutely fuming. That would have lifted me up to, like, eighth in the standings. But no, we're stuck on ninth with one point after flipping uh, Netherlands at the very least. And then he had a, Vettel had a shite race at Netherlands. He wouldn't nego- he wouldn't agree to a contract extension for $14 million for two seasons. With, with With, like, a 900000 for finishing seventh. Uh, at least, and I was like, right, off with this. I've given Vettel a good chance. I'm not. I'm not. Look, listeners of this podcast will know I'm not Vettel's biggest fan. But look, I gave, I tried to extend him. He wouldn't have it. He was doing shite in the races, anyways, comparatively, uh, not to Hager, but just in general. So I decided, right, let me. Uh, I was bringing Alonso, who was much cheaper for a few more years and better overall. And uh, so we got a, a lineup of Hager, sorry, Hager and v- uh, Alonso. And I just decided decide to sign Dewan as my reserve driver. So uh, there you go. I have one point through 14 or 15 races. There you go. <laughs> I've done a slightly better job than that. I only bought it on Friday, by the way. So um, bear in mind, it cost $5 million for me to bin off Hulkenberg. Yeah, I, I, like, I waited until a little bit later. I, got, I managed to bin off Hulkenberg for about $3 million later on. By the way, it cost $1 million to off-stroll, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, I, I was pissing myself at that. So I got to Australia, and Stroll was doing absolutely nothing. He was behind the Williamses, on, who were on hard tyres. He was on the alternate strategy and was on the mediums and couldn't get past them. 
was all right. I've had enough of you. It's not, it's not the best car in a straight line, I will say that. It's not, but he should be able to overtake them with full beams on fresher tyres, on better tyres, and he couldn't do it. So he got binned off. I bought in Gasly, which I thought... Popular hmm. one I see people doing for... Uh, yeah. Which is fair. Got to Miami, and we had the first safety car. Mm. Gasly was running in the points before this safety car because I decided the best tactic is to go all out in the first few laps and then just defend like crazy. Sure. And then then let Vettel come through, and it works a treat. Double points finish, Graham. Double points finish? Yeah, seventh and eighth. Wow. Yeah. So we are... I think we're well, seventh and seventh or sixth in the constructors. So uh-huh. it's better than me. And how many races are you into it? So Miami's the fifth. We're in Spain next. Ah, I'm for going to play after this. Sake, I've got yeah. one point. It was very lucky. Very, very lucky. For some reason, it just made an an instant impact by bringing Gasly, and he was instantly quicker than Vettel. He was already four tenths quicker than Stroll on mm. average. Yeah, there is and, that. Which is oh, mad. Words can't describe because, like, I wasn't sped. Like, I was like a two times speed. Like, so, like, if you play the game, you know, two times speed, you can still be on board with the car. Four and more times, you go to the track view. I was on board of Vettel, man. We were just winding down seventh place, our best finish by far. And I see the crash. It was happening at turn three at Hungary. Do you know when uh, Alonso's gone off there in the past with a loose wheel nut? I think Hamilton went mm-hmm. off in the wet in 2014. Uh, I saw it happen, man. I saw the rear. I was on the rear wing view, and I just saw the bite side of it come out. And I wouldn't mind either that Hauger was winning quite well as well, and it allowed the field to pack up. And I couldn't unlap myself, so I was I painted for softs. And I was, but oh my god, I couldn't believe it, man. I I was fuming, absolutely fuming. It was not nice. So we've brought a raft of upgrades. We've got closer to the pack, but I'm hoping just like Aston Martin in real life, who are where there's quotes from Mike Mike Crack. About how confident about or how Aston Martin are more confident that in the flyaways with more downforce tracks are going to be much more competitive than they have been, and uh, I feel the same, man. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I'm getting more into it now. I fully understand what to do. Yeah, I had so much difficulty with getting the sales right. Yeah, oh same. My God, it's a nightmare. I had to watch a few videos. I don't know how to do it, but I got it in the end. Yeah, I like it. Like if you're if you think about buying it at all, I would recommend it. If you don't want to buy it now, wait for it to go on for it to go on sale. But it's good fun. Uh, it's something chill to do, really. Uh, you could just it's only forty seven quid, which yeah. isn't too bad, I thought. You could definitely get it for cheaper uh, on for PC as well, uh, which is probably the easier way to play it. Give like I still get the button the buttons for console still get me at times. Like I my L one and R one to switch drivers, I get confused on sometimes. Oh yeah, I'm I'm constantly pressing the wrong thing. So definitely much easier to navigate on a, on a computer uh, if you've got PC if you're playing on Steam or something. So I would recommend that, and it would be, it would be much cheaper as well. But yeah, it's good fun. I'd recommend it if you're like the ins and outs of that kind of thing. And yeah, it's just good fun to put on in the background and just kind of mess around with. Really, it's good fun. I'd recommend it. Yeah, I'm going to go and sweat it the rest of the night. <laughs> you want to come play the Modern Warfare Two beta? I played enough of that last night with Joe. That was not fun. Guan Yu? Yes. yes. <laughs> Honestly, that that I, I, I was like, right, I'm not playing FIFA this year. I'm gonna switch back to Call of Duty. You my, are my mind you're getting my FIFA. mind No, I'm not getting FIFA. You say you're not getting it, but we are I'm not know. even done my web app packs, Graham. I am not interested. <laughs> you know that isn't like me. Mm. So You'll get roped back in, I've I've no doubt. No. no. 
It will happen. I will quite happily watch other people play it, which is what I'm going to do on Tuesday. Um, but that's about it. Anything else on your mind from the uh, world of most sports, or I guess anything other than that? Uh, not really. I was going to say MotoGP stuff, but nobody cares about that. <laughs> When's that documentary out? It's already out. It's been out. Oh, it is out. Okay. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's very it's very similar to Drive to Survive. It comes out just as the season's starting. Hmm. So what season is on? It's on that. It's on Prime, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Prime. It's only there's only one one series of it, but it is very good. It gets you a bit more interest. It's only what eight episodes. Okay. No, I, I I'm a casual with it. I like to say, but so I find it very interesting. Covers the twenty one season, then I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. I might check that out at some point. Yeah, even just in the background, it's decent. Just get to see the championship unfold. Mm. Little bits here and there. Do the, the top teams decide not to take part, like Ferrari and Mercedes? <laughs> no, every team takes part. Every team takes part. That must be refreshing. It'd, uh, be, it'd be good next year, especially with the with the what's happened with the Premier. That'd be very interesting. Well, that's going to do it. I think this week for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My thanks as always for for joining us. I've been Graham. I've been. This has been the shortest podcast in a long, long time, and I'm very, 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 very grateful. My word. And I would say we waffled a fair bit as well. Yeah, that was a lot longer than what it needed to be, but yeah, casual. And we shall see you. See you next week.